Our scripture tonight is taken from Deuteronomy 29 29. And it reads The secret things belong to the Lord our God, but the things that are revealed belong to us and to our children forever, that we may do all the words of this law. Let's say a quick prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, you know what you need to do tonight. I pray, Lord, that you would take this attempt to uh, honor your word and that by your spirit you would uh, bring us to the truth that you would have us to know. In Jesus' name, amen. So, if any of you have done research at all in any kind of a theological work, you may come across the word decretive or you may come across the word preceptive. And those are the words that the big boys use when it comes to secret, decretive, by decree, and preceptive for revealed. So just in case you're reading along somewhere and you're seeing these words and you're going, what is all this? Fortunately, we have, we have a good uh, translation and we just read the regular English. We don't have to read like the big boys. So every day, we are faced with the unknown, aren't we? What does the future bring? How will my life turn out? What if I make a wrong decision? If we could just know what life decisions to make and when to make them, then everything would go smoother. Life would be grand. There'd be less anxiety and less loss of sleep. Well, except for you families that have the little ones. Sorry about that. If we just knew what we don't know, we could attain that most sought after prize, happiness, or so we think. But we don't always have even a glimpse of that unknown, do we? And that unknown is the same regardless of our worldview. Doesn't matter if you're atheist, doesn't matter if you're agnostic, even Christian. Regardless of our culture, our upbringing, our societal status, we all deal with the unknown. And there are some in desperation looking and seeking after every fad imaginable to find that holy grail of knowledge and purpose in life. Whether it's Ouija boards, horoscopes, crystals, or some guru on a far eastern mountaintop, they look for someone or something outside of themselves for direction. But this evening, we are gathered here together in the house of the one true God, proclaiming Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And in our desperation to know, We find our purpose in life. In our our desperation to know and, and finding our purpose in life, we don't follow after false gods with their false promises and their superstitious trinkets. We come to truth himself, the very creator of the universe and all it contains. Yet, 
Even we Christians, we sometimes find ourselves with questions of not knowing. Such as when is the world going to end? When's Jesus going to come back? Is that asking the same question? Why is there so much suffering in the world? What is my purpose in life? The list of questions is endless. But as Christians, we are not asking just for ourselves anymore. And what I mean by this is having learned that before Christ, we had been motivated by our sinful desires and sinful wills for things that only pleased us. But since we've been given new hearts and our affections have been transformed, we are now drawn by the Holy Spirit to now consider and desire our Heavenly Father's will, not just our own. And that is so foreign to our flesh and our natural desires. So having been adopted into the family of God, we have a blessing and a privilege of not being left completely out in the dark. What do I mean by that? I mean our Heavenly Father, who loves us so much, has left us with instructions. And that kind of reminds me of a, this song is before any of you were even born, I think. It was called Basic Instructions Before Leaving Earth. Anybody ever heard of it? Yeah, it was in the 90s, I think. Early 90s. The B-I-B-L-E. Basic instructions before leaving earth. I thought that was really, really creative. So. Now you might think, oh great. I'm supposed to somehow understand this huge book that has words and concepts I've never heard of or possibly heard of but never fully grasped. You're not helping me, Daryl. Well, I get that. But that's only one reason of the many reasons for us coming together as the body of Christ and why that is so important. We need to hear the word. We need to have the word explained. We need to be challenged to stay the course, to hear correction about some weird doctrine or theology that we've picked up from our past. That when measured to God's word, we see how far from orthodoxy we truly are. Kind of like that concept of happiness in an American cultural context. Which brings us to our message today. Deuteronomy 29, 29. So we're going to spend the rest of the evening, not in, as in later in the evening, but the rest of the service Unpacking and hopefully finding a way that we can apply this to our lives. So the first section of this scripture is the secret things belong to the Lord our God. Like I said, the big boys call this the decretive things belong to the Lord our God. The secret things that belong to the Lord our God. These are things that are t- decreed from the Lord that nobody knows except him and have not yet been revealed. Now, I would like to put in here that in in all of my readings for this, it seems like they have uh, 
I don't want to call it uh, deconstructed, but they've, they've narrowed it down to two different wills. But I would like to, uh, if I could admit this, um, God has one will. And in that one will, it's, it's like a, a facet, okay? There's two facets, at least two facets to this. And one is the secret will that nobody but God knows. And the other part of that facet is his revealed will, what he reveals to us, his children. Or you can say, which is kind of cheapens it a little bit, uh, two sides of the same coin, okay? That might be cheap, but you understand where I'm coming from. It's the same coin. God's will, and he decrees one, our, our sermon this morning where Peter, you know, Peter's talking with Jesus and he's saying, Lord, don't, I'll never leave you. I, I promise, I'll, I, you know, I'll die for you. Jesus told him, you know what? You will, but not for right now. That's the secret will. He was revealing to him, a, well, revealing. He did reveal him a secret will that he didn't know anything about. And that's just one example of what a secret will is. In Isaiah 55, 8 through 9, it says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than yours, and my thoughts than your thoughts. And then in Romans 11, 33 through 36, it says, Oh, the depth of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and how inscrutable his ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord? Or who has been his counselor? Or who has given a gift to him that he might be repaid? For from him and through him and to him, are all things. To him be glory forever and ever. And these two scriptures, and these are just two because there are many, many more. It's so rich. You know, our, our reading in uh, 1 Corinthians, oh my goodness. The word is just full of, of truth like that where you're reading in one part and you're like, man, I've seen that somewhere else. And it just reinforces everything. And it also shows the fluidity and the, the um, I don't know what the word would be, of, of how it, it all fits together. But these, these two scriptures, as well as the others, emphasize that creator-creation distinction. Do you see that? My ways are not your ways. The creator creation distinction. He is God. We are not. This is also speaking to God's sovereignty. He rules over all creation with justice as well as grace, with wrath as well as mercy, and with harshness as well as compassion. Now, there are some who struggle with that whole concept of sovereignty. They have an issue with a sovereign God. They're saying, well, well, that makes us a bunch of robots. And that is so far from the truth. But he is sovereign. 
He's ruler of all things. To me, that gives such peace, knowing that in those times where we don't understand what's going on, when we have lost a loved one before what we consider their time to leave, we don't understand those things. That's the time, rather than spending our time, spinning our wheels, trying to find the the truth in those Ouija boards, in those horoscopes, in crystals, in whatever it would be, whatever the world would throw at us, whatever the demonic would throw at us, those are all falsities. We can know without knowing that God is in control. And that there's so much comfort in that, so much comfort. But in that, in that struggle with reality, uh, with the reality of sovereign God, Paul, I love Paul. Like I said this morning, I love Paul. I love the way he reads, uh, the way he teaches. And he anticipates pushback to sovereign, to a sovereign God. So in Romans 9, the second part of 14 through 24, it says, What shall we say then? Is there injustice on God's part? By no means. For he says to Moses, I will have mercy on whom I have mercy. And I will have compassion on whom I have compassion. So that it depends not on human will or exertion, but on God who has mercy. For the scripture says to Pharaoh, for this purpose I have raised you up, that I might show my power in you, and that my name might be proclaimed in all the earth. So then he has mercy on whomever he wills, and he hardens whomever he wills. You will say to me then, well, why does he find fault? For who can resist his will? These words. But who are you, O man, to answer back to God? Will what is molded say to its molder, why have you made me like this? Has the potter no right over the clay to make out of the same lump one vessel for honorable use and another for dishonorable use? What if God desiring to show his wrath and to make known his power, has endured with much patience vessels of wrath prepared for destruction in order to make known the riches of his glory for vessels of mercy, which he has prepared beforehand for glory, even us whom he has called, not from the Jews only, but also the Gentiles. So God is creator and sovereign over all his creation. Now, my attempt here up to this point is to establish that God has the authority to have a secret will and that it is decreed from his throne of grace and will be fulfilled for his glory. God's decretive or secret will is hidden in the mind of God. It is absolute and determined by God alone. That's a quote from uh, a Gary Crampton. 
We as creatures do not have a right, nor should we expect to comprehensively know every plan that God has in store for his creation. Hence, his secret will. But the second part of this scripture, the things that are revealed belong to us and to our children forever. So though we cannot comprehensively understand and know God, his, God and his secret will, he has given us his revealed will. This introduces a tension of sorts between God's sovereignty, his secret will, and our responsibility, his revealed will. This revealed will is expressed in his word, the Bible. We can trust his word to be inerrant and infallible. We heard that this morning too. See how consistent that is? I didn't know what this, <laughs> I didn't know what he was going to preach on this morning. That was awesome this morning, by the way. Second Timothy 3, 16 through 17 says that all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. So we have a responsibility with the revealed will. It's been revealed in his word, and we have a responsibility to take that revealed will from God and to apply it to our lives. We have the responsibility to not just read, but to study, and not just study, but to meditate on his living word. I can remember uh, in a church that I was in before where they were going to have this Sunday school class on meditation. And it was basically meditating in their heart. And I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. When David talks about meditating, he talks about meditating on God's word. We meditate on his word. And that the, uh, the analogy here, if you could think of this, is, is like a... It's like a, a cow, if you will, who chews its cud and ruminates. It's got like three, three stomachs and it's ruminating. It's ruminating the word over and over again. It's, you cannot get wide enough or deep enough in God's word. It is just, it's, it's unfathomable. So in 2 Timothy 2.15, says, do your best to present yourselves to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. And it implies that there's a wrong way of handling the truth, doesn't it? It didn't come out and say it, but it implied it. There is a right way to handle the truth. And it's up to us to take that revealed word and to find out what the Lord would have for us. And then it says, the things that are revealed belong to us and to our children forever. There's no expiration date on the word of God. We have the assurity, the promises that belong to us will never end. And then the last of this scripture, it says that we may do all the words of this law. Here's our purpose. The purpose of his secret will 
is to trust in him and to know that he's a loving father and that what he has for us is not just good for us. It's not about our happiness. It's about his glory. And whatever his secret will is, is going to bring him the most glory. And that's what this is all about. That we may do all the words of this law. Now, these are not just abstract concepts that we sit around to postulate. There's a purpose for God revealing his truth to us. We are to obey his word. We are responsible to act on whatever we've learned. And when we know that we are being obedient to his word, following the principles and precepts he's laid out for us, we are doing God's will. And God is honored in that. And we will be better for that, even though there are times we may think that we're getting the short end of the stick. So in summary, the Bible teaches that God's secret or decretive will is his real or essential will. God's secret will is always fulfilled. Whatever is determined by God, whatever he wills, will come about. The preceptive or the revealed will, God's will for our conduct is the means by which the secret will is carried out. Both wills are holy and good. And then one last thought. It might seem a little off from what I just expressed to you. You know, not everybody is wired to dive into theology and doctrine. What I like about our church, what I like about the Reformed faith is that if you show up on Sunday, you're going to hear theology. You're going to hear good doctrine. But at going home, you may not be one of those people that sit around and, and read boring, nerdy books like me and Kendall. Sorry, I had to throw you under the bus too. So... This last thought here, when you seem overwhelmed by the breadth and the depth of God's word, it may be encouraging to remember this. R.C. Sproul speaks of a time when the Swiss theologian Karl Barth was asked by a student during a seminar in the United States. He said, Dr. Barth, what is the most profound thing you have ever learned in your study of theology. And you gotta understand, Karl Barth has books galore. He's just one of those theologians, okay? What is the most profound thing that you have ever learned in your study of theology? Barth thought for a moment, and then he replied, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Well, the students started giggling at this simplistic answer. But their laughter was of a nervous sort as they realized he was serious. Bart gave a simple answer to a, a question of profundity. In doing so, he was calling attention to at least two vitally important notions. Number one, that in the simplest Christian truth, 
there resides a profundity that can occupy the minds of the most brilliant people for a lifetime. And number two, that even in learned theological sophistication, we never really rise above a child's level of understanding the mysterious depths and riches of the character of God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. I pray, Lord, that your word will not come back void. That in this simplest of presentations, uh, your truth has been heard and their hearts have been pricked and their minds have been challenged. May your word continue to transform us as we walk to glorify you in everything that we do. In Jesus' name, amen.